0: Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for being a God that you make yourself known. And God, even though there are times in life that, that this life can be hard and it can be cruel, God, and that the things that we end up going through, it could even cause us to, to question you, to, to question your involvement, maybe even sometimes even question your existence. God, I pray that as we just, as we just really look today at this idea of, of even when life happens, God, I pray that... that that anybody who's listening to this, whether they're online listening, God, whether they're here listening, that they're struggling and struggling with with having a faith in you. I pray that you would solidify their faith and that you would give them hope. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, today we are going to finish up Unshakable. This whole idea of of what happens when when, when things happen in life that that, that just kind of cause us to to shake a little bit, but but that we wouldn't lose our footing, that that we would be firm in our faith, and today we're going to be talking about even when life happens. It's just how we're going to wrap up this whole entire series, and really I think that this is often the time where, where we think about having this unshakable faith is this time of even when life happens. That that Frank, Frank had been having a lot of illnesses and just struggling and and, uh, he he finally got a report back from the doctor that they discovered exactly what was happening with him and the doctors said to him that that it is terminal and that they really feel like he's only got one year left to live. Well at that time it, it really would just get his attention and so he decided that he needed to go talk to his pastor about this because he hadn't seen his pastor and discussed this with him. And so he goes, and he's a, he's a middle-aged guy. He's single. And he goes, and he sees his pastor, and he tells his pastor, I, I've just got one year left to live according to what my doctor says. I don't know what I can do or how I can be praying, what I can be doing, how I can be living. And so the pastor, after praying with him, said, well, I, I do have some advice for you, Frank. He says, okay, well, I'll, I'll take it. Any, anything that you can give me. He says, well... I think you need to start by selling that late model truck that you're driving and I think you need to go buy yourself a a 20-year-old pickup truck that's barely running. Frank's kind of like a little confused and not really understanding where this is going. And the pastor says, and, and the next thing you need to do is you need to go find the rudest, cruelest, ugliest single woman out there. And you need to marry her ASAP. And Frank's just really going, I'm just not seeing. He says, in that house, it's beautiful, Frank, but you need to sell that. You need to go live in the middle of nowhere in a shack that's barely standing. And about now, Frank says, Pastor, I don't don't understand. How is this going to help me live longer? And the pastor told him, oh, it's not going to make you live any longer. I'm just trying to help you have the longest year of your life. So, yeah, sometimes life happens. And and, and there's some difficult things that that will happen in our life, and and it'll make our lives seem like this is the longest year of my life. This is the most difficult time of my life. That I think for many times when when people are just struggling because of the difficulties in life that we end up hearing this question. It seems to be the, the number one question when life just seems to be so difficult and the question gets asked, where is God? Where is God? And we'll we'll, we'll, we'll share our circumstance and we'll share our story with other people and we question and go, where is God? And it's interesting of, of who ends up asking this question because there will be people of faith that will ask this question. There will be people that really, that they're really more in the, the religious camp than in the faith camp, that they would be going out, they're asking this question. There are people that have no faith that will end up asking, Where, where is God? Or, or Where was God? And sometimes people with no faith end up finding faith when they go through some difficult times. There can even be a a few people that they had faith and they said, I'm gonna abandon my faith because of these hard times, these difficulties that I am going through. That that most of us, most of us have experienced a a difficult loss. Most of us have gone through some some difficulty, some tragedies, most of us have have experienced what it means to have a hard time. Some are even in the midst of that, in the thick of that right now as as I'm talking about this. And that to my experience, most people that have faith don't end up abandoning their faith. In fact, most people of faith end up getting a stronger faith through the difficulty, through the hardship, through the tragedies that they end up facing, that I don't know if, if you've noticed this or experienced this yourself, but I can tell you that to my experience, that the people that end up questioning where was God, that, that more times than not, they're not even using their own experience and their own difficulties. That, that more times than not, that they end up leveraging an experience of somebody else and, and, and a difficulty that somebody else had, and 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 through that difficulty that the others had, they're going where? Where was God in that? And and the problem with this is that when we're using that to question the existence of God, that that God's not coming into our lives and showing Himself in such a real and relevant way, because it's not our hardship, it's not our difficulty. It's the other persons. It's the, it's the other people's. And, and when we think about where, where was God, I mean, we, we've, got a, we've got a huge list that we can be looking at and leveraging and going, hey, we, we know that there is difficulties in our world. That we know right here in America, 20 years ago, 9-11 happened. And there were 19 hijackers that took the lives 2,977 people. Some of those were first responders that were caring. There, there was over 100 countries that ended up losing somebody because of that. We know that there are difficulties. In Haiti, in 2010, That what we ended up seeing that took place there is there was an earthquake. And this earthquake, it ended up killing over 200,000 people. And one and a half million people ended up being displaced because of that earthquake, because of that difficulty. We know about the Holocaust that happened in Germany and there were over six million Jews whose lives were taken from them. That we know that currently we are on day number 67 in this war in Ukraine that we still are going, what's up with that and why, why is this even happening? that in Africa, that there is constantly ongoing famine in Africa. In fact, in Africa, it's in, in 2020 that one out of five was dealing with hunger at a level that their life was in danger. One out of five. That the hunger is so real for them. In Indonesia in 2004, there was a tsunami, and in this tsunami, that over 230,000 people's lives were taken in that. And, and then one that's probably been on more people's minds than anything else is this global pandemic and how that ends up affecting all of our lives. And so we, we can look and, and we can look and we can see that, yeah, all around the world, There's difficulty all around the world. There there are people that that they're suffering all around the world that there is pain, that there is difficulty, that there is hardship. And some want to ask this question. They want to ask this question when it comes to God that, that if God is good, then why? Why is there so much pain and suffering? Why is that? And it's this question that it's so big and it's so broad. And whenever we're asking that because of what somebody else is going through, not something we're going through, it's going to be really hard to find a satisfying answer to where was God. If God is good, then why is there? It will be difficult for us to find this. But when it's our hardship, when it's our loss, when it is our tragedy, this is where we end up getting to experience God on a level that we don't experience when things seem to be going well. That there is something about that even when life happens, there's something about these difficulties in life that turns our heart in desperation to our heavenly father. And we begin to find and discover him in a way that we wouldn't discover without it. That there's so many broad stroke things that we could look at and say, where is God? If God is good, that maybe one of these disasters didn't relate to you. But then when we start saying things like cancer, or we start identifying suicide, that, that, that we start seeing, oh, oh, now you're getting closer to home because, yes, I, I know somebody, and, or that was me that wrestled with that and struggled with that, that we start to see that there is difficulty in life that every single one of us will end up facing. And can we come out of it with an unshakable faith? Can can, can we come out of this knowing God in a way that that we had not known him before? That if you are leveraging somebody else's tragedy, then you are gonna use that, their experience to, to question God and God's not going to be near to you like it was, if it were your tragedy. There's just something different about when it's us and how God begins to minister to us because it being our difficulty and our tragedy. And, and if you're somebody that you are questioning the, the goodness of God or even the existence of God because of somebody else's difficulty, then I would encourage you to have some very real and candid conversation with people that have gone through the difficulties and ask them, how have you seen God at work because of what you've gone through? And I think if you'll do this, instead of just leveraging this experience that somebody else goes through just to question the existence of God, I think you'll get to hear a first-hand experience, a first-hand encounter from many different people about how they have seen God minister, how they've seen God come through, how they've begun to to know God in a way that they did not know Him before. That there really is something about when these difficulties happen that our faith grows. It's like I I said our our very first week that that we don't say these prayers. Hey God, will you just kind of kind of really rattle my world. We, we don't say those prayers. But what God does is he takes these times that our world gets rattled, and he uses these times to grow our faith. Because when it's your journey, when, when it's your story, when it's your experience, when it's your suffering, when it is your loss, and you're the one that's turning to God, you will begin to see God come through. That you really will, and and maybe for you, you're in the midst of that, and you're in the thick of it right now. And if you're in the midst of it, you're in the thick of it, and and you're not seeing God, I'm not gonna blame you for for, for you not being able to to see God right now and to see God coming through. I, I wouldn't blame you for that. But I would encourage you, don't give up. And don't give up on on seeing how God's going to come through because I think if you'll keep on keeping on that you'll end up seeing and discovering God answering, well, where am I? I am right here with you. And I really believe that you'll end up hearing this, that pain and suffering, it can't prove, it doesn't prove, and it can't prove that God doesn't exist. It, it, it can't prove it. it. It doesn't prove that God doesn't exist, that pain and suffering prove that we crave a better existence than what we experience here. That, that's what pain and suffering does. It, it, it proves that, that we crave something better Than our existence that we have here. Pain and suffering was the worst thing that happened to the best person who ever walked this planet, that that Jesus experienced pain and suffering. He experienced this when he when he would walk this earth and he would see people who, who their hearts were so far from God. He experienced pain and suffering personally when he took on the sin of the world. The pain and suffering is something that happened to the best person who has ever walked this planet. Jesus invited us to follow him. He didn't just invite us to say, hey, just believe me. He, he invited us to actually to follow him, to, to, to follow his lead and to follow his examples. And he, and he warned us that there would be a cost to follow him, following him, that there would be a cost, that there would be a price that we would pay in this lifetime in order to follow Jesus. I wonder for you, if, if you would be able to answer, if you've been listening and following the series, that this question of what fuels your faith. What fuels your faith? What is it that feeds your faith, that takes you and allows you to go further down the road with your faith, that allows your faith to grow and get stronger and get bigger, to take on deeper roots and to just really dive down deep and be even more grounded. Because see, that's what I've been attempting to share with you guys over the first five weeks of this series is just sharing this of how God grows our faith. And so, so here's the, the review for all of us that we've been through this, we've been listening, or you're here for the first time and you're just now catching this. That, that how God grows our faith. He grows our faith through practical teaching talking about spiritual teaching, talking about biblical teaching, that he grows our faith through practical teaching when we begin to have a very practical understanding to who God is through the teaching of his word, that God grows our faith through personal ministry, that, that when we end up getting involved in a way that we end up serving God, we serve others, and in the name of Jesus, with what we do, with our time, with our talent, with our effort, with our energy, that, that we would do this. It's, it's personal ministry. It's one of these ways that God grows our faith, that providential relationships. It's one of these ways that God grows our faith, that that when he sends somebody to be in our lives, and he he sends them at just the right time, that they show up at, at just the right time in our life, that that they are there for us when we need them. They provide just what we've needed, this providential relationship. And in this providential relationship, they help us to to be united to God's best for our life, that they do this for us. And in these providential relationships, they they only remain for a God-ordained season. We don't know how long that's going to be. But God puts these providential relationships, and and many of us, we we, we could share some different things, that that if you're somebody of faith, that that you could go through this, and you could go, you know, yes, yes, I've grown in my faith because of this practical teaching. I've grown in my faith and the way that I've begun to to serve, and I never really thought my faith would grow, but but it has. and, And God grows our faith this way, that through these providential relationships that we end up pointing to people that God put in our lives and go, yes, this is a way that God has grown my faith. Last week, we talked about personal disciplines. This is another way that God grows our faith. When we have some of these private disciplines in our life and that we take it really seriously what we end up doing with our private life and there's this personal discipline that we would end up having. That, that, that we would we would spend time devotional time one on one time the closet time that that we just we' turn off everything else out and we just spend time with our heavenly father just opening up his word, reading something that's gonna help in a devotional side, whether it's using a, a U version study, that's a great way to do that, getting a Christian book that's gonna be telling a story or helping us on a journey, something's gonna help us unpack the the meaning of scripture, reading scripture itself and just asking God, God, would you show me what that means for me and how you want me to live out my life. But that we would have this this personal devotional life. It would be private. It's just apart from everything else. That we would be involved in giving back to God, that there would be this percentage giving that we go, hey, God, I'm going to give you a percentage of what it is that you've blessed me with, what you've provided for me, and I'm going to give that back to you. I'm not going to be just a response giver of seeing, oh, well, there's a need. Okay, I'll give to that. But it's just faithfully, God, I'm just going to keep giving this percentage back to you. We looked at this word tithe, and tithe is, is literally a tenth. That's what this word means, that we would give God a tenth of our income. And it's one of the ways that, that we go, hey, God, I'm going to trust that, that I don't need this. I'm going to trust that I'm going to be able to have all that I need in life. And I'm going to trust that you're going to use this and do far more with this than what I would ever be able to do with it. And that when I give this to you, instead of it having temporary value, it has eternal value. And it's the way that, that we give and our percentage giving back to God that, that grows our faith with these personal disciplines. It, it's, it's our public worship. It's the idea of, of gathering with others and coming together and, and, and publicly worshiping God, singing songs of praise to him, coming together and learning together. It's, it's one of the ways that God grows our faith. In fact, last week I gave you a 30-day challenge that, that would you give God your firsts for 30 days and just watch what God does? Would you give God the first minutes of your day? Just just in a devotional time, just just in reading, praying, maybe even listening to a a Christian song, just being focused. Would you give God the first minutes of your day for 30 days? Would you give God the first dollars of your income for 30 days? Let's pick a percentage. What am I going to give God? I'm gonna give this to you. And that you would do that, and you would just do it faithfully. And that you would give God the first day of your week, Sunday. And you're here. Congratulations. (laughs) You're here. You're doing this. This is a way that God will grow our faith. And this very last one that we're going to be spending our time together on is on these pivotal circumstances these pivotals, these these things that 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 are just we, we can we can look back in time and go, yep, that 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 was it. And sometimes a, a pivotal circumstance will will, will be a, a good thing. It was like, wow, I got blessed with this and this happened, but but more times than not, a pivotal circumstance is, is not something that we go, yeah, that's what I welcomed. That's what I was praying for, that's what I was asking for, that's what I wanted to happen. More times than not, a pivotal circumstance is when we end up having something that we never would have ever wanted to experience come our way, and yet God ends up using it so much bigger than we ever could have imagined. I was reminded recently of somebody that had one of these pivotal circumstances, and it never really connected to me that, that her story, her journey, it, it started when my life started. That 54 years ago, this 17-year-old at the time, very athletic, just seemed like everything was going for her. Her, her faith was only two years old. And, 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 and she had reached a point in, in, in her faith journey and in life as a 17-year-old that she was saying, God, there's got to be more. I, I think I'm missing out on, on really what you, what you want my life to be about. God, would you just give my life meaning and significance? Would you show me how my life can be used to be serving you and your purpose? She prayed this prayer. And it wasn't but a few weeks after praying this prayer that she dove into a very shallow body of water in the Chesapeake Bay. And as she dove into that body of water, she was an avid swimmer. She she competed in swimming. And she broke her neck, making her a quadriplegic. Her name is Johnny Erickson Tata. Probably some of you guys have, have heard about her and heard her share her story and her journey. And I, I would encourage you that, that if you've not heard her story, there's a website on the screen right there, that I would just encourage you to, to take note of that, of Johnny and Friends, that, that, that you would just take that and, and, and that you would go and, and check this out. I actually want to share with you just a, an insert that she posted in her blog a year ago. And she titled this, Suffering Perfected. Hi, I'm Johnny Erickson Tata, and yeah, it's quite a mystery, this suffering. No matter what shape or size it comes in, you know it's hard, it's always draining, and it reveals your resentment and anger. And if your suffering squeezes you hard enough, it may even show that you've got a rebellious spirit. But hey, that is not bad. I mean, look, I've learned after years of dealing with pain and this wheelchair that suffering, if we would but yield it to God, suffering makes us real. It makes us real with ourselves and real with the Lord. You know, I, I think if we're ever going to get a satisfying answer to if God is good, then why is all there, there are all this pain and suffering? Where was God when? If we're ever gonna get a satisfying answer, we're going to have to live through the tragedy and we're going to have to turn to God and see what God's gonna do through it or we've gotta start having a relationship with somebody else that they have seen God take this circumstance that none of us in our imagination could have ever thought that God could use this for good and see just what God has done with it. Johnny ended up creating a ministry through all of this. Her first couple of years, she was not thinking anything about creating a ministry. When she was being devastated because the scholarship that she had got, she had just graduated, and she had a scholarship that was covering part of her education, and her world was just looking great in front of her, and then she got told, yeah, you're not going to end up going to college. Her parents were going um, so do we need to delay this this semester? Do we need to delay this too? And the doctors said, um, yeah, Johnny's never going to go to college. Nobody would have ever imagined the kind of reach and the kind of ministry that Johnny ended up having because of this pivotal circumstance that happened in her life it's these things that we would never pray for we'd never be asking God to do this but when we find ourselves in the midst of whatever it is the tragedy the hardship that's come and we say God God show yourself and God don't let me give up on you God show me how I can serve you even through this that this can happen and C.S. Lewis he wrote God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. That pain is something that God uses. And when we read our Bible, especially when we get into our New Testament. And when we read to some of these writers of them sharing about the life and times of Jesus or or Paul who's writing about, hey, the churches and and who God's calling us to be. So many of these people that contributed to our New Testament experienced pain and suffering because of their faith. The attacks that they got because of their faith. James, who was the half-brother of, of Jesus was one of the leaders of the first century church. He wrote this book, James. Well, James is somebody that he was taken out of the city of Jerusalem and he was stoned to death because of his faith. But he wrote this before this happened to him. In James chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Suffering produces perseverance, and let perseverance finish its work. We won't really know what we believe until we've been tested. We we won't really know what we believe about God until we have been tested. Pastor Greg Laurie says a faith that can't be tested, can't be trusted. And and that that maybe when we're trying to find that that answer to to, to why is there pain, why why is there suffering, Why, why is it if God is good, why do these bad things happen? Well, maybe Greg's on to something. That a faith that can't be tested, it it can't be trusted. In Luke chapter 22, verse 31, Jesus is telling Peter, he says, Simon, Simon, and he was Simon Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, not if, just knowing and seeing. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. It's like, Jesus, you're going to be the first one to, to turn back and, and have this strength. And, and now you're going to have to be strengthening them and pouring into them. But he replied, Lord, I, I'm ready to, go, to, to pr- go with you to prison and to death. He said, I'm ready to die for you right now. And Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter. Before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. And it was through that that he ended up having this pain and suffering, the pain of of denying. He suffered because he he said, "I, I never would have denied, and he ends up doing this. He watched what happened to his Savior, but it didn't make him bitter. It made him better. And so when it comes to pivotal circumstances of when life happens, I want to share with you three things. That when life happens, what we believe makes the difference. That that, that we're going to have our beliefs be challenged when life happens and what we believe, it it makes a difference. And, And don't assume What's not true? Don't don't, don't assume what is not true. Don't don't claim a promise that has never been promised to you. But what we believe, it makes a difference. A second thing when life happens, who we listen to makes the difference. Because we can be listening to the naysayers and all the negativity and letting that come in and take over. And we can turn and we can start listening to the people that haven't lost hope. People that haven't lost faith. Because if you listen to the wrong people, you're going to get the wrong answers. It, it, it's why it's important for us to know who is it we're going to listen to fact that that, that there are some Christians that believe today that that any pain and suffering that you end up going through in life is because you've sinned. And and, and it's your sin. And they say, and it's unconfessed sin of why you're suffering the way that you are suffering. You need to confess it in order to be healed and to be whole in fact I was having a conversation with somebody just a week ago and they were sharing with me somebody that they knew and that they're feeling this and that they're, they're hearing this from others well maybe they've not come to understand something that Jesus said it's, it's so important who we listen to I want to take you to John chapter 9. It says as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents? That he was born blind? That the same religious idea that the only way that something bad can happen to somebody is because they've got this, this direct sin in their life. And this is a punishment. This is a cause that they say. And what happens is these disciples that they're trying to learn from Jesus, they, they miscontextualized his suffering. And, and if we take this approach of, hey, if we're going through something bad, some hardship happens, it's unconfessed, we're going to miscontextualize our suffering. And Jesus said, Neither this man nor his parents sinned Jesus said. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. This is one of Johnny's life verses, that it wasn't the sin, in fact, that it was a prayer that she prayed God. God would just show me a greater significance and a greater purpose for my life that I can be serving you with. I'm not saying, and neither would she, that God caused her neck to be broken. But what God did cause is He caused her heart to be stirred and to stay true and to develop a dependence on God like she never had before. And she ended up taking this life. saying i'm just going to dedicate it all to you god and ends up creating a ministry that has reached millions upon millions upon millions of people that when life happens that what we believe it makes a difference when life happens who we listen to makes the difference when life happens how we frame it makes a difference How we frame it, this hardship, this difficulty, this suffering, this pain that we are in, how we frame it, it makes a difference. And One of the best prayers that we can pray is, Lord, help me through this by helping me see as you see. Helping me to see what you see. God, help me through this. And give me eyes to see what they can't see right now because I need to see what you are seeing. This is a prayer that will do far more for us than by just asking and questioning, where is God? Because difficulties will either break our faith or build our faith. It's going to do one or the other. It's going to break it, or it's going to build it. That's how significant difficulties can be. And Philip Yancey, a Christian writer, he says, When suffering happens, it forces us to confront life in a different way than we normally do. We do. We start looking for, how do I get there? And we start looking at a different approach. And for many of us, that different approach is going to be, I'm going to become more dependent on God than I have ever been. That different approach can make a grand difference, not just in our life, but even in the lives of others. When we can see God in it, we're more likely to trust God through it. One last passage and we'll wrap up. In John 16, 33, Jesus said, In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Think about this. That Jesus He didn't avoid suffering. He chose suffering for your benefit and for mine. And so when we suffer and when we have pain and when we have hurt and when we have loss, that we don't get to choose and have a choice over that hurt and that pain and that difficulty. We do have a choice of whether or not we're gonna turn to God. We do have a choice of whether or not we're going to depend on God we do have a choice of whether or not we're going to trust God. And that is a choice that every one of us will get to make. And I can tell you that the greatest choice and the best choice is going to be to trust Him through it. When you can see Him in it, you will trust Him through it. And you will come out having an unshakable, faith. Pray with me. God, you are the grower of our faith. And I pray that that we would be willing to let you reveal that you're in it so that we could trust you through it. That no matter what happens, no matter what comes, that we can see that if we follow you, if we lean into you, that we can be an overcomer that we can overcome whatever pain, whatever hardship, whatever loss, whatever circumstance, whatever difficulty, that we can overcome it when our faith is all in you. Give us eyes to see what you see. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.